Good morning. Welcome back to the Montmorency Community Church live stream. And uh, our sermon series is uh, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And last week we had a quick look at uh, uh, how the Holy Spirit came, what was his main purpose and how he relates to believers. And that was our foundation, wasn't it, that we're going to launch uh, this series from. And today we're going to do a similar thing as last week. We're going to look at two different passages in scripture that talk about spiritual gifts. So uh, uh, Declan read for us Ephesians chapter 4. I'd like you now to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now there's a sec- big section in, in 1 Corinthians from chapter 12 to 14 where it, it talks a lot. In fact, the whole, the whole uh, section is regarding spiritual gifts. Uh, it's where we get a lot, if not the bulk of our teaching on spiritual gifts. There are other places, of course, in, in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts and uh, other people will be mentioning those in the next few weeks. So if you've got the, uh, the passage there, uh, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, verse 1. It says there, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now that's an interesting term of phrase, isn't it? I don't want you to be ignorant. Ignorant means lacking in knowledge or training. Now a few years ago I came across a quote, which I, I, I take it to heart. Uh, and this is the quote, it said, Being ignorant isn't a problem. Remaining ignorant is the problem, all right? And here the Apostle Paul, he realises from the behaviour and and the the use of the gifts from the Corinthian church that they were obviously ignorant. They were lacking knowledge and training and understanding on spiritual gifts. And it was Paul's desire then, and it's his desire this morning, that we are not to remain ignorant ignorant about these things so he says you know that when uh, you were pagans somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols therefore i tell you that no one who is speaking by the spirit of god says jesus be cursed and no one can say jesus is lord except by the holy spirit there are Different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to you for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing uh, by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another an interpretation of tongues All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he gives them to each one just as he determines. And then it goes on a little bit about the the body which we sort of looked at uh, in Ephesians and I'd just like to take you up to verse 18. Uh, It says there, But in fact God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
That's really important. I've got it underlined in my Bible. That's very important that we remember that. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. And then, it go, and then if you can go down to verse uh, 24, just there it says, But God has combined the members of the body and given greater honour to the, to the parts that, lack, that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be, have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, Every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has first appo- has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, uh, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. You know, the Lord will bless his reading of his word. And, and how privileged are we to have, to have God's words here before us this morning. And that's what we're going to again look at. Uh, and, and get and get a balanced view and get in God's view on how these gifts should be used and utilised. Now this morning's topic is is uh, what are the spiritual gifts? So I'd like to ask the question, uh, what is a spiritual gift? What I'm going to try and do this morning for you is to look at gifts versus natural talents versus fruit of the spirit. Hopefully that'll work. So, um, it's a bit awkward with COVID-19. I was going to ask, we're going to have a little poll of the audience, of the congregation, but there only is three people here and they're very busy at the moment. Yeah, you could do that. All right. The quest, the simple question is, what is a spiritual gift? What is a spiritual gift? Now, could I have that second slide on, please, uh, Andrew? The next one. Okay. What is a spiritual gift? Some of the, if 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 I could have asked people, someone might have said evangelism is a spiritual gift, uh, teachings are spiritual, speaking in tongues. They are gifts. They are spiritual gifts, but they're specific gifts. And our, and our brother Keith Jackson is going to come next week and the week after uh, to, to teach us, to, to look at those in great detail. But what is a spiritual gift is what we're going to look at this morning. So in Ephesians 4 that we read together a little bit earlier, what we come across is this, this thing is a spiritual gift is not a natural gift or a natural talent. It's not that. It's not for the personal benefit of the person that has that gift. It's not so that they can make a, a living out of it or become famous about for, for it. 
It, it's, it, we notice that it's given by the Holy Spirit and that really came out, didn't it, in uh, the reading in 1 Corinthians 12, especially verse 11. It's given, this gift is given by the Holy Spirit. It's not attained, it's not earned, it's not merited. It's given by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he determines what gift and to who he gives it to. Have we got that? That's really interesting, isn't it? There's nothing else that we read, was there? wasn't anything else that we read that, that made that determination. The Spirit himself chooses and decides what gift goes to which person in the church. And, and, and we read it, didn't we, together, that, that God determines the specific purpose of that gift. There's a reason that God gives those specific gifts. And I won't be going into those in detail this week, but Keith will be looking at that next week. And they're given to and for the benefit of the church. Now that's really important, isn't it? It's really important that we, 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 we see that. Now, can you remember from last week's message, uh, part of the Holy Spirit's role and, and the reason he was given? Can you remember how the Lord Jesus himself said that, that he would be sent, that the Holy Spirit would be sent by the Father in my name? And that's a really important phrase. A really important phrase. In my name, uh, the way we have translated into English uh, is doesn't convey to us what the Greek version does. And the idea behind that little phrase, in my name, is the official delegate representative to act on the behalf of a person. In this instance, the Father sent the Holy Spirit as the official the one who is who is delegated and and authorized to act on the behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't quite give you that uh, idea does it in my name but that's what it means all right that's really important and then you remember in chapter 16 of John it, the Lord said in verse 14 uh, making taking from what is mine and making it known to you that's what the Lord Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to do. And so in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul reminds us that uh, when, when Jesus ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men. And then he says, uh, uh, where is it? in verse 10, he who descended uh, is the very one who ascended into heaven and it will be him who gave those gifts. So... Although the Holy Spirit gives the gifts and selects the people, he does it on the behalf of and with the authority and the desire and the will and the mind of Jesus Christ. That's really, really important. And so what do we see here? We see in verse 11 it says there that, that it was he, it was Jesus Christ, as if he was here. It was he who gave those gifts through the Spirit to the body, to the church. And, and that's important, isn't it? Because it's not a man giving someone or, or, or someone at the head of an organization or a religious uh, group. Nobody like that. 
It says here very clearly, it's Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that represents him here on the earth that gives, he gives to the church. And the reason he gives, why? Why does he give us these, these gifts? Verse 12, have a look at verse 12. It says, to prepare God's people. That's you, that's me, Declan, Devon, Andrew. That's all there is to people that are here today. But all of us, all of us who are God's people, Jesus has given us these gifts to prepare us. For what? It goes on. It says there, for works of service, so that we can serve Jesus Christ, so that we can serve God, so we can make him known, so that so that we can tell people and witness to people and show people and demonstrate to people the love of God. We can't do that in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And the gifts that are given to the church help to prepare us to do that. I love, I love uh, looking at different uh, translations of the Bible, different uh, versions, if you want to use that word. That's, it says in the NIV to prepare. But the New Living Translation has, instead of prepare, says to equip. I love that. I love that. That's a great thing because it, it, it provides. Equip means to provide you with the necessary things, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, we're, we're supposed to be you know, soldiers, aren't we, for the Lord, serving the Lord. And quite often the apostles use these the military example, don't they? And, and to equip us means to provide the equipment, the skills, the resources to do the task. That's before us as, as God's people. But there's more to it. There's more to it than that. Not just uh, for the service, uh, uh, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Built up. Again, the idea in the Greek literally means the act of building. Now, if you have a look at that verse again, those couple of verses again, what's happening here? Jesus Christ, in, with the help of the Holy Spirit who's representing him here, he, he is actually doing what the Lord said he would do when he was here. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, what the Lord said? He said, I will build my church. I will build my church. And he's doing that. Right now. He's doing it today. He's doing it here in Montmorency. And he's doing it through the Holy Spirit. He is literally building his church. And in verse 13, in verse 13 is very important. It says there, uh, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That means becoming Christ-like. That's why we have that little phrase in our priority, our, our strategic priority. So you can see that the spiritual gifts aren't just given so that some people can big note and be prominent and, and, and lord it over other people. It's not, none of that. That's not biblical. What's biblical is what we've just gone through and read this morning. 
This is the desire of God. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ had in mind when he, when he was giving the gifts. Spiritual gifts are given for the benefit of others. Anyone in your church, anyone in our church here at Monty that has a spiritual gift, it's not for them. It's not for them. It's for you. It's for you. And it's for me. Because you have a spiritual gift as well. And it's meant to help me, to prepare me, Declan, to build me up, to prepare me, to equip me, to encourage me, to help me become mature, to become more Christ-like. You don't get a spiritual gift from the Lord to benefit yourself. You get one. You're given one, rather. You're given one so that you might benefit others in exercising your gift. Never for personal gain or benefit. And I don't think you can doubt anything. Uh, this You can't doubt this fact from the two readings from the two passages of Scripture. It's only, they're only given to believers. Only to the believers. Natural gifts... Natural gifts, if I could have that other slide back up again, thank you. The natural gifts are only, uh, are, are experienced by everybody. The next one, next one, thank you. Are experienced by everybody. Everyone gets at least one natural gift. Gifts are given. Talents or natural abilities are inherited. They are. There is a genetic component in a natural gift, a genetic transmission. And a lot of people, this is where we get a little bit of confusion, a little bit of misunderstanding. A lot of people think, yes, but isn't, isn't every good gift given by God? Absolutely. Yes. Gifts are given by God. And God has, 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 has designed mankind that when, when we reproduce, as he intended, that genetic material gets mingled, I guess the right word is, or mixed up. And you get the variety of talents and gifts and personalities and everything else that we see around about us in the world today. Now, we all have natural talents. All of us have them. And they're very important. I guess where we see the most prominent would be in the sporting arena, you know, in the uh, you know, athletic abilities. Uh, for example, in Australia, I guess the, 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 the most prominent thing that we see here is the father-son rule, yeah? All you guys, you all know what I mean. The father-son rule in, in AFL. That means that, that if you've played 100 games with a club, you can have your son automatically picked to play in that club. Father-son rule. Really important. Do you realise that uh, about three weeks ago, the Western Bulldogs, the Western Bulldogs against, the Carl- against Carlton, they had five father-son players in that one team. Now, that's very unusual. Five of them. They all did pretty well. 
The Bombers. We've had a couple of really good father-son uh, people too. We, we've had uh, uh, Dustin Fletcher. His dad was Ken, Ken Fletcher. And then there's uh, Job Watson, whose dad was Tim, Tim Watson. And Barbara. We're really, we're really hoping that uh, there's another one there in, in, in playing. He's not playing, he's injured. Uh, Tom Hurd. We're just really hoping, aren't we, Barbara, that uh, he's at least as good as his dad, Jimmy. But the father-son rule, it really illustrates to us how natural talent is, inhibit, is inherited. The singing, performing arts, that's the gifts that you have that usually comes from your, from your parents. Art and craft, cooking abilities, baking. You know, your mum was a great cook. You're usually a great cook as well. And, and you can see all that in trays. My brother and I, we're really handy because my dad, he, he, he could, he could do anything, uh, in the regard of, you know, fixing things and building things and making things. And we, we've inherited that, you know, my brother and I. And I'm thinking in particular this morning of Steve and Michael Ryder, you know, where do you think they got their ability from? Their dad Paul, obviously. Can I have the next slide, please, uh, Andrew? Uh, there's a picture. What can you see? You can see, you can see their natural talent, right? Inherited. There's Serena and her little girl, Alexia Olympia. Uh, and, and the reason I've chosen that slide is because Natural ability, natural gifting is usually very evident early in a person's life. Little Alexia, she's, she's just two, two years old. You know, I get very jealous when I, when I, you know, look at video clips of kids playing the grand piano, the violin, because I'm not musical at all. I'd love to play a musical instrument, but I'm just no good. And what about those little boys? You know, they're about this big, teeing off and hitting the ball straight down the fairway. I used to, I used to occasionally, when I was a teenager, play down at Royal, a Royal Park golf course, which is next to the zoo. And when I teed off, the animals would get my ball because the, you know, the ball was just over there, and that's where it would go. No ability playing golf what about those little kids who can shoot baskets and you, and there's whole heaps of examples where natural ability that they've inherited from their parents is evidenced really really early in their life now why am i going on about this i'll totally can have that off now thanks uh, andrew you see spiritual gifts are never ever evident before salvation. No. You could not pick who has the gift of being a pastor before they got saved. You cannot pick who has the gift of teaching before they're saved. You can't pick who has the gift of, of, of mercy. And some of the other ones that we've read together, they're not, that's not the complete list. I mean, Keith will uh, go through them all with this in the next couple of weeks, but you would never be able to tell who had that gift before the person was saved. And you know, and I know, people get saved at 
all ages, young, teenagers, young adults, mid-aged, old people, doesn't matter. The spiritual birth happens at any physical age. And you know what? The spiritual gift is usually a surprise. Not only is it not evident, you would not pick that person to have that spiritual gift if you were giving them out. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a particular man that I, I know and, and I've loved very much. He's, he's gone to be with the Lord and I've mentioned him here and, and he actually was commissioned from here, Harry Holmes. If you knew Harry Holmes, you would never pick him to be the dynamic Bible teacher that he was. Never. I had Harry Holmes in my home for, 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 you know, to have fellowship and have meals with his wife, Milva. Let me tell you, there are two Harry Holmes. <laughs> the man that you see or you used to hear and, and preach from the platform and the man that quietly sat at home and, you know, just was a very humble man. You would never have picked him to be a dynamic Bible teacher. But he was, he was given a gift by the Holy Spirit, the gift of teaching. And the reason for all this is to show that all that God does is never in the spirit of man or with the, or in the ability of a man, but rather Rather, what God bestows in grace upon a person. You know, it's, it's never, it's never merited, never, never deserved. And quite often, people make that mistake, don't they? That they think that I deserve this gift. Or that gift. Now, I'm going to say something here. It's really important. I need you to really listen here. Please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you cannot use a natural gift to to bring glory to God. I'm not saying that God cannot use a natural gift that you have to bring blessing to others and to glorify his name. I'm not saying that. Because that would be not true. On the contrary, uh, quite often you can use a, a natural gift, a, 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 a natural talent to bring glory to God. Again, thinking of the sporting field, you know how often have you seen someone succeed in a sporting field and, and they, they say, oh, you know, I, I want to honour you know, my Lord and Saviour. You see it very, re- very regularly at the Olympic Games when, you know, when, they're, when they're interviewing the winners of different events. You know, sometimes a natural gift that you have gives you unique opportunities to witness. It allows you to, to witness to certain particular groups of people or, or professions or, or, or in, in certain situations, certain countries. Is it, I'm not so, so please don't think that you cannot use or that we're saying that God does not use natural gifts. He does. I mean, he uses our abilities that we have, our natural abilities, perhaps maybe the financial wizardry that we have. Now, I don't have that gift or natural talent, let me tell you. But there are, there are some, some people who are really good at business and, and, and can make a lot of money. And they, they use that, that, that money in, in God's work. 
And there are people who, who are really skilled at building things and you know, construction, and they go and they build orphanages and, 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 and churches. And so there's lots and lots of examples of how a natural gift can be used by God and in God's service. And as Christians, you know, we know, and I mentioned it earlier, ultimately every good gift that we have comes from God, every single one of them. And as faithful stewards, Declan, we need to, to make sure that we, we use all, all of the resources that we have, all the gifts that we have uh, that God has given us in, in, a, in a proper and, and, and uh, godly way. So as Christians, we're, we're to leave out, uh, live this out, our time, our resources, our abilities, they're all for God. However, and, and, and however, in scripture, and we've looked at it this morning, haven't we? We've seen it this morning. There appears that, that the, the, the spiritual gifts are set apart, are set apart as something different, something unique. Something out of the ordinary. And they are. Because spiritual gifts uh, are an empowerment of supernatural ability. They come from a supernatural origin, just like the Holy Spirit. That's why they're called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They originate from him. They're not a result of genetics or, or hereditary uh uh, whatever the word is, the hereditary uh, passing on. It's not the result of training and education. They're not the result of conditioning. Spiritual gifts are not that at all. And, and we read, didn't we, that God has arranged the parts of the body, how? Just as he wanted them to be. And that's, that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. I'll have the next slide, please, Andrew. And we cannot dismiss the fact, brothers and sisters, that, that the builder is building his church. It's Christ. It's the Lord who is building his church the way he wants it, just like he wants it. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, each one of us. We read that, didn't we, in, in Corinthians? We just turn to it. Each one of us, no exceptions. I love that. Because it ties in, doesn't it, with the teaching of the unity of the body. Not a coincidence. You know, as a, as a home renovator, this is what I sort of do more or less. I go into all sorts of homes. And, and I see all sorts of different lounge rooms, different bathrooms, different kitchens, different family rooms, etc. And what I've realised is you go into some place and you go, wow, look at that, that's brilliant. Oh, I'd love to live here. And then you go into other people's houses and you go, whoa, whoa, oh, okay. But, you know, they're all set up exactly like the owners want them to be. Absolutely. I had a job. I had a job for quite a few years ago, now that I think about it, down in East Ivanhoe. 
Very unusual lady. That their house was her house was oh when you went in. Anyway, I had to do a few reno jobs for her, and honestly, I almost refused to do the job uh, because you know she wanted me to tile with these really oh, vividly coloured and patterned tiles, and 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 it was going to look hideous. I thought. Anyway, I, she, she had a plan for me to follow and I, I stuck them all on like she wanted. She was absolutely beside her, so she thought it was brilliant. Now, I usually take photos of, of my jobs when I finish Declan, so I have a little bit of an album to show people, you know, what I can and can't do. I didn't take a photo of this job, no. Anyway, she loved it. It was exactly the way she wanted it and there you go. Why am I saying this? You know, the reason I'm saying it is because there have been occasions where people say, I, I, I don't want this gift that, that I've been given. I remember many years ago here in this church having a conversation with a lady about this very thing. She says, I don't like this gift. I don't want to do this gift or exercise this gift that the Lord's been given. It's not the one I want. We had a bit of a chat and talked about it a bit. The thing is, she was given a gift by the Lord Jesus to exercise here in this church. And because she wasn't all that keen to do it, I missed out. You missed out. We all missed out on what God intended for us to benefit from her gift that he gave her. And that's what the problem was in the Corinthian church. Isn't it interesting how, as I mentioned last week, so early on in the church history, the life of of the Christian church, so so early we get these problems in, in the Corinthian church. They're still with us today. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I need you to know. I need you to know what God intends for you to to do and and how he has planned to, to bring this about. And this is what the spiritual gifts are all about. Now, time is running out, so I need to quickly go to the next slide. Thanks, Andrew. I need to quickly mention spiritual fruit. Now, I'm not going to not going to go into too much detail about this because part of our series is to look at spiritual fruit in great detail because that's very important too in our lives as Christians. And uh, we'll be having three Sundays uh, starting from the 13th to the 9th about this very topic. So what I'm going to say this morning is just related to showing the differences between, all right? There'll be more information coming, so please stay tuned. So we have gifts who are given, spiritual gifts that are given. We have We have talent, natural abilities that are inherited and fruit is grown. So just just if you only remember those three things, that'll help you not to get confused. Gifts are given, talents inherited, and fruit is grown. You see, there are two main differences between gifts and fruit. I just need to have a little sip of water here. So there are two main differences. The first one, the first one 
is what we've already mentioned, is that all of us have at least one gift. The Bible says so. God has determined that in his mind. Everyone who's a believer, who's a member of a congregation, who's part of the body, has at least one gift. Some have more than one, but I can tell you this from my own personal experience and from what the scripture tells us, and we read that this morning, no one has all the gifts. No one, Declan. No one. No one has all the spiritual gifts. No. Churches have all the spiritual gifts, but no one person. So, if you're thinking whenever we finally get our new pastor when this COVID thing all finishes up, if you're thinking that we're going to get someone who's going to have all these spiritual gifts, don't. It's not going to happen. However, we are all, each of us, we're all to possess and exhibit all of the spiritual fruit. Hmm? So that's a big difference. There are nine, you can oh, well, the, the, the thing's gone. But there are nine different aspects of the fruit, and we're to exhibit all nine of them. So that's a big difference, isn't there? Gifts, spiritual gifts, one minimum, never all of them. The fruit of the Spirit, all of them. We are to exhibit all of them in our lives. The second one, the second main difference is that while the gifts are given for building up the body of the church, the spiritual fruit is specifically designed to build the character of the believer, of the individual believer. And that character is to to show the results of godly living, abiding in Christ, showing that we are disciples, we are following, followers of Jesus Christ, following after him by exhibiting this, this character and this fruit. And here's a really interesting thing that I learnt a little while ago about the two. The gifts are so important. The spiritual gifts are so important. We are so taken up with them. Some people really make them very prominent and, and they come, can, can cause divisions and problems in churches. And, 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 and sometimes we're scared of them, of the topic, of exercising them. But here's the, here's the thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, verse, uh, verse 8, It says spiritual gifts, as important as they are, will cease. Will cease. But the fruit of the Spirit will last forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Interesting, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? So that's a a difference. And you need to do, and with the spiritual uh, fruit... You need to do something yourself to obtain the fruit. Fruit grows on a healthy tree. It is the product of a healthy tree and it identifies what sort of tree it is. And that's the purpose of, uh, of the uh, spiritual fruit. Completely different purpose to the spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is given by God, it's never attained, 
never learned, never chosen by us. These are some things for you to hang on to. Spiritual in nature. We read together, didn't we, that the gift, the giving of the gifts is a manifestation of the spirit of being in the church to the world as well. It manifests, it manifests to the world that there is something special about that person, that group of people. It's meant to build up the body of Christ, which is the church. It's part of who you are in Christ. Remember, you know, you're part of this body. You have an important part to play. If you don't play your part, it said there, didn't it? We all suffer. The whole body suffers. And the interesting thing about a spiritual gift is that you don't strive for it, but you also aren't dragged kicking and screaming to exercise that gift either. You do it willingly. You're doing it, you're doing it to please the Lord. It's, you don't begrudge exercising your gift, whatever it might be. But with all that, there are two warnings I want to leave you with. And I want you to think about these two things all of this week in preparation for what Keith Jackson will share with us next Sunday. Because here's the warnings. There are two dangers that the church has always faced. First one, not knowing what your spiritual gift is. Not knowing what your spiritual gift is. You know, there are people in churches... And this has been the case all for, for, for as long as, you know, since, since the Corinthian days. Who sit there all of their life, their Christian life, never knowing what their spiritual gift is. They're ignorant. They're ignorant of it. And that's, that's really sad when you realize that God has given you a gift. And there's an expectation. And we've read this morning together, and we've, I've tried to explain it, that, that it's vital. You're part of the body. And God intended you to have that gift, whatever it might be, for you to build up that body, for you to be a, a blessing to that body, and to prepare that body that it might do what God intends it to do. You're a vital cog in the machine. Yeah? Huh. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? And the other one, the other danger, the second danger is not exercising or not working out the spiritual gift once you know what it is. Like that lady that I was referring to, she knew what God had given her. I wasn't happy about that gift. She didn't want that gift. Not exercising. That's why, you know, in that, in that, in that, um, um, strategic priority, and I've got it here, I've got them here in, my, in the front of my Bible to remind me. Here's what it says. That everyone in Montmorency Community Church will become more Christ-like. Amen to that. And then it says, exercising. They're God-given gifts to bless and serve others and to grow the kingdom of God. 
Because if we're not exercising our gifts, we are not blessing anybody, we are not making Christ known to people, and we are not building the kingdom of God. And this is what we want to be about. This is what we want to be known for here at Montmorency. We don't choose our gift, brothers and sisters. We don't choose it. The Holy Spirit does that. It's a vital part of his role. But we are. Each and every one of us are responsible for the gift or gifts that we're given. To use them. To use them. Can I have that last slide up, please, Andrew? To use them as God intends us to be, for them to be used. So gifts are given, talent is inherited, fruit is grown, but they can all be used. All of them can be used by a Christian to bring glory to God and to make Christ known. I hope that as you think about these things that we've looked at this morning and read about them, that you really think about, do I know what my spiritual gift is? Am I exercising my spiritual gift? Now, I know sometimes this is a bit much to take up all at one go. You know where I live. I mean, you're not really allowed to come to my house. But you can ring me. Send me a message. And there are, there are others, there are other leaders here in this church who'd be willing to help you, to talk to you. But I had a conversation yesterday afternoon about this very thing for somebody who wasn't sure what their, who, what their spiritual gift was. It's not that hard to work it out. But you have to accept, we have to accept the gift that God has given us and exercise it. Thank you for listening.